and welcome to Another Bite, where we rewatch the most innovative and intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Jory, and I'm joined by Ariel. Hey, everyone. And John. Hey, everybody. Ladies, ladies, and gentlemen, with today's product, they ain't going to catch you slipping. And that's the only pun I'm going to make, or else this total NKO, in the words of the founders, is going to turn into an NSFW. It's an intriguing fashion accessory that aims to make it easy to look and feel your best. So without further ado, here's an ad to keep the lights on. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Or could it be Don? Or John? Maybe Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all-new Service Hub can help. Well, in the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together in one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs and a full 360 view of every customer. So your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive revenue and retention. And you know what that means, better service and happier customers at every stage of their journey. Visit HubSpot.com service so you can do more with your customers today. Today in the tank, we have Cake's Body. And Cake's Body is brought to us by founders Taylor and Casey. And they are asking for $300,000 for 5% in their business, which is a $6 million valuation. Now, Cake's Body is essentially reusable, washable silicone nipple covers that adhere naturally to your body. So no adhesives required. I grew up calling these pasties. Same. I don't know about you, Ariel. Okay, and I thought okay. it was a play with Cake's Bodies, pasties, pastries, pasties. kind of. Okay, mm. thank you. Because... I was going to dive into the branding, but actually now that you said that, that branding makes total sense to me. But essentially the issue it's trying to solve is that, you know, sports bras, bras, they come with padding, but you know, after a wash, that's really difficult to deal with. So these are essentially an alternative depending on your fashion choice that can make sure that you're covering up and feeling comfortable because those normal pasties are very irritating. So thinking about our founders, our pitch and our product, thoughts on Cake's Body. I can go first, John, unless if you really want to. <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts here. I could be the ultimate cis white male and give you my thoughts. Yeah. I'm going to give you my thoughts on nipple freakout and how to solve the nipple freak. I've got a lot of thoughts. So we have to just like establish some vocabulary. Yeah. The NKO is a nipple freakout. Okay. So we know. Mm -hmm. So NKO, new acronym. Okay. Ariel, go. <laughs> this is a vitamin, I feel like, in mm. this category. So when you look at some of the alternative solutions in the market for some sure. of these things, there's a lot of pain points for some of these products. The adhesiveness is one of the big ones, the way that it feels in terms of thickness, the fact that this is so easy to clean and that has reusable usage. Sure. So I think this is a really great product. I actually think I was catered the video that went viral for them on my feed. So I feel like I've actually like seen, seen this brand before and I've seen like the layering on of the skin, like that actual video that did really well for them. I think the biggest thing that they hit on in this otherwise competitive category was really driving that momentum from like a social and community lens and like really leveraging that as a vehicle for a lot of their success in what would otherwise be a very challenging category. Mm -hmm. So I'm all for Cake's Body. Not a big fan of the name, but... <laughs> we'll dive into branding in yeah. a minute. <laughs> Although I can't comment on the actual 
need in the market for this product. Mm -hmm. I'm going to trust them and also trust you that there's a real need there. I will say like things that stood out to me about this product that I thought were really, really good. Number one, it's produced from 100% medical grade silicone. Mm -hmm. And I've learned a lot over the last couple of years having babies about the benefits of silicones over plastic. Mm -hmm. Silicone's incredible. You know, if you boil plastic or cook plastic in a microwave or put it in a dishwasher, it basically like starts to poison you. That's like not true with silicone. Mm -hmm. And so already from a product perspective, I think they're skating towards the puck in terms of the sort of material that products that people are going to put in their bodies are going to be made from. And so I thought that was very smart. It also seemed like the ability to really clean it would be extremely high, which I think matters to people. They also, they had a really fun brand, I thought, even Mm -hmm. though the name I agree with, like I'm like, I didn't get the cake's body connection, but their sizes are like, OG plus and bitty itty. And like, different like, shades they, too. And, like, and different that's shades. also another like, point different. Yeah, it feels fun. like they're leaning into fun and it feels like they've got yeah. a very good pulse on that, like watching them on the show. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they have gone viral on TikTok makes me think that they actually are pretty tapped into like the trend and the need and how to produce a product that's going to like scale within viral communities. Mm-hmm. And so I watched this pitch and was like, this seems like it's skating in all the right directions and has like really good early validation from social media. I can imagine it being a really successful large business. And we get a fun demonstration where they slap one of them on Mr. Wonderful's head just to prove adhesion point. Love a physical demonstration. I am curious though, talk to me a little bit more about your thoughts on the branding, Ariel. What were your thoughts of where they should lean into? You know, I think for them, what they do really well, it seems like is to have that balance between the organic and the paid approach. So I think first and foremost, congrats to our twin founders for 5X ROAS on their paid ads based (laughs) off of a viral moment. That is such a smart way to extend virality. And I think we see so many of these brands and products that come into the tank that are like, we had a big PR moment, we had big viral moment, but then things kind of tapered off. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like they did exactly what you need to do when you have an instance like that, which is how do you repurpose this content to extend that digital shelf life? How do you expand beyond just channels? So I was glad I think Mark asked the question around what happens if TikTok goes down from like a distribution perspective? Well, we repurpose this media for other channels. So they really are taking those learnings from a very organic viral moment and utilizing it to sustain their business. Mm. What other channels, what other distribution methods do they have in mind? That would be my only main focus for them if they're looking to establish beyond just like that community buzz driven social first approach. So... We only have really that data point of they were using TikTok videos to like really lean into paid. But like even just knowing that, what would be your recommendation in terms of the channels they should be considering next as they're thinking about really fleshing out their digital portfolio? Go to where their audience is and where their customers are. I think the organic part of the social piece really focuses on building that brand community and that brand equity while paid brings in more awareness and more folks into the funnel. You can continue to nurture them through the organic means. So obviously, I think of like sister channels like Snapchat or Instagram Reels, Mm, but then there's other channels as well. So let's say their customer base is, you know, more for the festival goers. Mm -hmm. If it's for the everyday Susan who needs some like coverage and extra support, then they're going to need to Mm -hmm. look at like where are some of these other areas where their consumers are spending a lot of their time outside of just social. For all like they are just on TikTok, they're doing so well. So first year they hit a million dollars in revenue and then year to date, which was the last five months in sales, 1.5 million projected to end the year at 5 million. So 
they're crushing this. Yeah, they clearly have product market fit mm-hmm. and they've found a distribution channel that works. And with a 75% margin, yeah. they're crushing it. It's amazing. The cost to make was $8. They're retailing for 30 I was curious though, because something that we see on Shark Tank a lot is this is a single product company right now. And it's clear that they want to be on Shark Tank to really expand this into a brand. And one of the ways that they are thinking about doing that and something that Mark starts to lean into is this idea of like market research to find out what they should be developing next. How would you recommend they even begin when it comes to, okay, what's next on the horizon, knowing that they have this one product that's just doing so well? Personally, I wouldn't advise them to like charter a formal market research study to figure out what to build next. I'd probably just look at their lives and talk to their friends Mm -hmm. about their challenges. Start small. Mm -hmm. I would probably start that way. I think there's also other ways to like test if you'll have product market fit on something. You can try and sell a product before you've actually made the product. Mm -hmm. You could basically do a fake drop for something Mm. and email all of your existing customers and basically say, we're going to produce this product. Sign up now to get on the wait list. Mm -hmm. And like if people sign up, awesome. You've got demand for it. If nobody signs up, okay, cool. Like don't pursue that one. I think there's ways to do it. Mm -hmm. The idea of like a formal market research study feels like it's not going to get you the sort of answer you're looking for. You know, they talk about it being in like an oversaturated market. Emma, I think was the guest shark on this one and mentions that pasties is a bit of a saturated market. If they're trying to expand beyond that one product company, where should they go then? So I think it comes down to what John hinted at, seeing what your audience is like willing to buy or purchase next. Mm -hmm. But I think for them to differentiate, really, it's going to come down to having multiple channels on social. I think having really strong customer proof points and crafting Mm -hmm. that more within your narrative will help you stand out, specifically when you're talking about why my product over other competitors. And I think just being really intentional with their business. So I was trying to think too, like, what are some of the other products that could kind of go within pasties? Where do you go from here? Yeah, exactly. I think really going back to who your audience is and what they're leveraging this for, how often they're purchasing it, what is the use case, and just tying that back into like really that open feedback. And we see this sort of play out with the sharks that come on board. It seems like there's two strategies and two places that they could go from here. They've got a phenomenal product and they've got like people really excited about it. You have Kevin that comes on and he's like, you know, we could sell this to a giant and make you a lot of money, right? But then you have Emma comes on and is like, you know, we're going to build this into its own unique brand and we're going to scale like that. We've seen products be successful taking both routes. Mm -hmm. To me, their number one objective needs to be to establish themselves as a brand that is new, Mm -hmm. fresh, Mm -hmm. different, fun, and If they can do that, they're going to sell lots of stuff. Mm -hmm. They can sell bras. They can sell shirts. They can sell leggings. Right. Like I think fashion is fickle. Mm -hmm. Fashion changes fast. And so I don't think it's a space where if it's very saturated, it is hard to break in if you have an angle to break in on it, which they do, Mm -hmm. to establish themselves. Like, who would have thought that there was an opening for skims? Yeah. Like, seriously, Spanx owns the category. Mm -hmm. It's literally the category leader. They created the category. They captured, like, 80% of the value, whatever. And now skims has just come up and totally disrupted them. I think it's the kind of thing where it's like, well, if you have a cool new approach Mm -hmm. to an old problem, consumers will flock to it. Mm -hmm. I would just obsess about brand and establishing the brand as fast as possible because I think that's the thing that will actually get them the opening and the permission to move into other areas. And I think they can sell lots of other things then. So 
How would you recommend, knowing that this is, as Emma said, something that has a lot of competitors, that they continue to stand out for their audience? Yeah, I think partnering with Emma, I mean, she's done this before for so many mm-hmm. other like companies like Skims and like Good American. Mm-hmm. She has the connections in place for, you know, finding the right partner, whether it is like a spokesperson that they decide or an influencer who becomes kind of the face of their business. But I think for them, they're building their own equity. So I don't think they necessarily yeah. need to kind of piggyback off of an influencer. Like it'll definitely help, but I don't think it's going to be their main like bread and butter. I think the product itself really is going to speak for itself. And they're fun. So that's always a plus. Yeah. (laughs) But ultimately they said, Kevin, we don't want your royalty deal. And they were able to, after some back and forth, close a deal with Emma. Final offer was $300,000 for 10% Mm -hmm. of their business, which I thought also was a pretty fair ask considering that they asked $300,000 for 5% initially. So she was able to come down a little bit. I mean, Emma is so worth it. Yeah. This is the ideal shark for them. It's like Mr. Wonderful. Like, come on, Mr. Wonderful. He's like, I'll just put him on my head for marketing, you know, but Emma. (laughs) And I think he wore actually the pasty on his head for the entire pitch. I don't think that man took that thing off. What a sport. What a sport. We'll have to rewatch. So really stuck it to him in the shark tank. Create Like the Greats, hosted by Ross Simmons, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Each episode hosts an in-depth analysis of some of the greatest creations and creators of all time, along with deep dive conversations on the creative process that went into building companies and brands. If you like learning about history or learning about the creative process, you'll like this podcast. Listen to Create Like the Greats wherever you get your podcasts.